You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrated purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. With the recent release of the December 2020 Awati figures, it's been confirmed that the super contribution caps will be increasing for the first time since 1 July 2017. I'm your host, Craig Day, and here to discuss the increased caps and what it may mean for clients is Tim Sanderson, one of my senior technical services managers in the First Tech team. G'day, Tim. Hi, Craig. Great to be here. Now, Tim contribution caps increasing since the first time since 1 July 2017. So obviously back then we had all those caps uh, change. Um, we had, uh, I think, what was it, the um, the $35,000 and $30,000 concessional cap dropped back to $25,000. Um, but we're now finally seeing some indexation of that concessional cap. Do you want to talk me through what's going on there? Yeah, sure. So the, the concessional cap essentially started at, at $25,000 in um, on 1 July 2017. Now, it is indexed each year by AWATI or Average Weekly Ordinary Time Earnings, but it only actually goes up where that indexation causes it to rise by $2,500. Um, so that's finally happened um, for 1 July 2021. Um, the actual figure is about $27,900 odd dollars, but that then is rounded down to the nearest $2,500. So we get a new concessional cap um, going forward of $27,500. Right. So, yeah, quite, quite important to notice. Yes, the indexation takes it up to $2,700, but we only ever increase in increments of two and a half. So we're going from twenty-five to twenty-seven and a half. That's great news. So... What does this actually mean for people? Well, it's obviously people will, um, going forward from 1 July 21, be able to make higher levels of pre-tax contributions in super. Um, so that means, you know, for uh, it's an opportunity for new contributions for clients who might already be contributing. So it's going to be important to review those concessional super contribution strategies. So that may mean revisiting salary sacrifice strategies for clients who are employees um, and for both, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I did, yeah. I was just agreeing. Oh, yeah. um, and then really for all, all, all clients potentially looking at their personal deductible contribution levels um, and whether they can increase if it's, if it suits their circumstances from one July um, given the higher concessional cap. And it, it's also, it's yeah, also, sorry, I was... yeah, sorry. <laughs> You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Also important to mention, I think that this increase can also, you know, modify the amount that someone may have under the concessional cap carry forward rules if they're eligible. So if uh, and this won't effectively be seen, I guess, until one July twenty twenty two, but we may have someone using the 
concessional cap carry forward rules in that year. And they may be looking at unused cap amounts from 21-22 based on that higher 27,500 um, general concessional cap. Right. Yeah, that, that, that was the point that I was just going to make when you were making those, uh, discussing the changes to salary sacrifice, because you're always thinking about people increasing their level of contributions either via salary sacrifice or, or personal deductible, or at least increasing their pre-tax contributions. And then it just occurred to me, yeah, that that would be important to take into account this increased cap going forward, because not everyone can afford to do that straight up, but in future, they may be able to do it. So if we're looking at using the catch-up concessional contribution rules, um, maybe not now, but maybe in two or three years for a client, we'd need to take into account that that higher concessional cap because that might give us some increase in the amount of our unused concessional contributions that we can actually get into super. Now, what about TTR? So pretty much transition to retirement income streams introduced to allow us to phase into retirement, but most people didn't really use them for that. They they use them as part of a, a final turbocharging of their super. So what they do is they take a uh, starter transition to retirement pension, then they would turn on a salary sacrifice arrangement and they would use the concessionally taxed income payments to pretty much replace the lost after-tax income that they were getting. And because of the tax arbitrage in there, you would get a benefit. And then obviously prior to the 1st of July 2017, the assets that you put into a transition to retirement pension were going to be tax-free, but that changed from, from 1 July 2017 with uh, the exclusion of uh, TTR pensions where a member hasn't satisfied a condition of release from the definition of a retirement phase income stream. Now, been through all of that. Now, the, the interesting thing I noticed when when TTRs kind of got well, the, the, the tax sledgehammer back then was um, everyone focused on the loss of investment earnings or tax-free investment earnings as being the big negative for transition to retirement income streams. But actually, when you think about it, back prior to 1 July uh, 2017, as I was saying right in the intro, that you used to be able to salary sacrifice up to, well, the concessional cap for those people were $35,000, so people over the age of 50. Um, and it was the reduction of that cap from 35 back to 25 that was also an equally significant blow to the transition to retirement strategy because you simply just couldn't, you know, you had to take more of your income to stay cash flow neutral as after-tax income and you, and you couldn't salary sacrifice. So you were limited to 25 instead of 35. So now... I think what we've got to take into account is we're now seeing that cap start to increase again. So it's gone from 25 back up to 27 and a half. So that would give us a bit more tax concession out of the TTR strategy, wouldn't it? That's right. So particularly for um, those people who are aged 60 and can therefore receive their TTR pension payments tax-free, um, there was still a benefit in undertaking that type of TTR mm -hmm. strategy from 1 July 17, but because of the concessional cap reduction, it was it was greatly reduced. So for those people, it does mean um, the higher cap does mean an increased um, level of benefit um, by doing a TTR strategy if we assume um, that the person is essentially going to keep their net income the same and, um, and increase their level of salary sacrifice um, or personal concessional contribution and just draw the amount out of their pension payment to leave their net income the same. 
So we so did. I was, I get the, the the difference there would the benefit you're going to get though is going to depend on your tax rates. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, and so uh, we did some numbers on that, just some rough figures based on the the four different marginal tax rates that we can have, um, and we calculated that um, the the tax benefit over one year of being able to make an extra two thousand five hundred dollars per annum of let's say salary sacrifice. Um, if we're on a, a 21% marginal tax rate, including Medicare levy, then that gives us a, a $150 um, extra uh, contribution, if you like, to super over that year. And that ranges through to the 47% highest marginal tax rate where an $800 benefit is is provided. Right. Um, so if, if we think about doing that over five years, so if someone from 60 turning on a TTR strategy, how does that stack up? Yeah, so we, we ran some numbers assuming um, over those years you get 6% earnings, they're all taxed at 15%. And the benefit, um, I'll just run through them. So on a marginal tax rate of 21%, you get a, uh, about an $850 benefit over those five years. 34.5%, you get $2,770 approximately. The 39% marginal tax rate is about $3,400. And the top marginal tax rate is about uh, $4,500. Right. Okay. So probably for um, the lower income earning people, um, then this change doesn't really add that much benefit from a TTR strategy. But as soon as you start to get into those middle and higher tax rates, they, you know, 4000 Now, take into account that's 4000 on top of whatever benefit you're already getting out of the scheme. So or the strategy. So from my way of thinking that, you know, you might have had someone on a 39% tax rate that was maybe getting a, you know, uh, maybe a four or $5,000 benefit over five years, you might have thought, well, that might be a bit of a marginal strategy. It, it, it doesn't even justify the cost of the advice. But now we're throwing an extra, what did you say for 39? Yes. So, so 39, it's about $3,400. So, right. so you're now, yeah, you're now throwing between three and four thousand dollar extra benefit on top. So, um, probably time to review those kinds of TTR strategies. You might have thought that they don't make a lot of sense post one July, twenty seventeen, but now with these changes, especially if we if we see the indexation of the concessional cap again at some point, a couple of years down the track, and we get up to thirty thousand dollars, then really TTR does begin to you know, that, that viability of that particular strategy does come back into play. Yeah, certainly for those uh, age 60 and over, it's, it's definitely something to look at. Um, a lot more marginal generally for people under that age. Yeah. I'd also maybe comment there around Div 293 taxpayers. Um, probably it's going to be pretty marginal for those guys as well. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Okay. Now, when does all this, uh, when does this increase apply from? Yeah, so although we... Although we know it now, it, it will apply from the 2021-22 financial year, so from this one July. Uh, right, so keep that in mind. Yeah. In, in your lead up to 30 June and you're starting to make your personal deductible contributions, um, it's not $27,500 yet. So you've got to keep it at twenty-five. It's $27,500 from the 1st of July onwards. So uh yeah, if you throw twenty seven and a half in, you're going to have two and a half thousand dollars excess concessional contributions. Uh, exactly. Yeah. 
All right, now moving on to our non-concessional cap. So we're also seeing an increase there. So can you work me through or talk me through how that works? Sure. So the the non-concessional cap since 1 July 2017 is not separately indexed. Um, It is simply calculated as four times the concessional contributions cap. Um, So uh, as a result, the concessional cap increases by $2,500. The standard non-concessional cap increases by Um, $10,000. What that means is, again, from 1 July this year, 1 July 21, it will increase from $100,000 to $110,000. Right. So once again, same as concessional cap. It's going up from the 1st of July 2021. So don't go and throw in any non-concessional contributions based on 110 yet, we have to wait until next year. Um, And what about the bring forward cap? I'm uh, thinking that if we're seeing an increase in the standard cap, then that's also going to flow through to the the bring forward rules. Exactly. So the bring forward cap, if you like, is based on a multiple of the standard cap for that that first year. And so with a a $110,000 standard cap, um, we may have many people using the bring forward rule will be able to bring forward two years worth of future non-concessional cap into their current year and so have a $330,000 bring forward cap over three years. For those who only have access to a two-year bring forward period, that'll be a, we'll be bringing forward $110,000 and we'll therefore have $220,000 over two, two years. And for those only really with a, a one year or no bring forward. It's just the one hundred and ten thousand. Right. Okay. So that's great news. That's that's quite a significant increase in the level of uh, non-concessional contributions that we're making. Now, I also understand that those non-concessional contribution cap thresholds based on our total super balance. Um, they're also changing. So these are the the thresholds that we need to look at to determine what my bring forward period is, whether it's two years or one year, um, they're changing, aren't they? Because they're based uh, somehow off the the transfer balance cap. Do you want to talk us through that? Yes, I'll just quickly mention the current ones. So at the moment, if your total super balance is under 1.4 million, you can have a three-year bring forward. Um, 1.4 million to less than 1.5 million, it's a two-year bring forward. And then... um, 1.5 1.5 so less than 1.6 it's a one year and then 1.6 or over it's nil um, now those thresholds are actually based on a combination of the general transfer balance cap and the standard non-concessional cap and we know that both of those are actually changing from 1 july 2021 the general transfer balance cap is going to 1.7 million and obviously as we mentioned the standard non-concessional cap is going to uh, 110,000. So the way those thresholds are calculated, that lower threshold is general transfer balance cap less two times the non-concessional cap. That middle threshold I mentioned is general transfer balance cap less one times the non-concessional cap. And then that top threshold is, is just going to be that, that general transfer balance cap. So, so what does that all mean? What will those thresholds be? It will actually end up being... million that you have to be under um, from next year in order to access the three-year bring forward, under 1.59 million to access your um, two-year bring forward, 
And that top limit will be $1.7 million rather than $1.6 million. Right, terrific. So thinking about that, so let's just say I've got a client and their total super balance uh, at 30 June last year was, let's say, $1.65 million. So their, their non-concessional cap for this year is zero because they're over $1.6 And then we see the, the indexation of the transfer balance cap come through and they're actually seeing an increase to $1.7 million. So I'm assuming they're, as long as their total super balance is under $1.7 million on the, uh, on the 30th of June this year, they're going to see their ability to make non-concessional contributions switched back on. Now, I, I would say in that situation, it's, it's only one year worth of standard cap, so $110,000. But that's interesting to note that they're going to have their ability to contribute switch back on where currently their non-concessional contribution cap would be zero. And that's all about the increase in the transfer balance cap. Exactly. Yep. So we may see a number of people who've been prevented from making non-concessional contributions this year because of their total super balance. They may get $110,000 worth of non-concessional next year, as long as their total super balance at 30 June this year remains under $1.7 million. Right. Okay. Now, a very common question that we're getting at the moment, and one that I thought about immediately when I saw these changes come through is, Okay, I've got a client that triggered the bring forward rule earlier this year, so in 2021. Are they going to be able to make extra non-concessional contributions from 1 July under these rules? So, for example, if we, let's say we, I had a client that made a $300,000 non-concessional contribution earlier this year, um, will they be able to get the benefit of making an extra $30,000 worth of non-concessional contributions from 1 July? Uh, so no, the the rules are clear that your bring forward period and the amount of your bring forward cap, if you like, during that your non concessional cap during that period, is calculated in that first year that you trigger it. So, in the case of triggering it this year, if it's a three year bring forward, you've locked that in at three hundred thousand dollars. So any indexation which may have happened in year two and three, you won't have access to. Right. So. When I think about that, so even though we're bringing forward next year's cap and the year after's cap into this year, it's bad luck. You you basically locked in at three times the standard concessional cap in the year that you triggered. And if you triggered this year or if you triggered last year, that was $100,000. So it's maxed out at $300,000. And then you cap in year two and three. You simply, your cap from year one, which is three hundred less what you put in in year one, and then for the final year, it's less what you put in in year one and year two combined, um, and you take that off the $300,000 cap. So actually thinking about this, does that mean that we should be delaying triggering the bring forward until the 1st of July 2021? Yeah, look, I think in a lot of cases, yes, it does mean that. And so by that, we don't mean you deliberately make no non-concessional contributions in this financial year, but potentially you do only $100,000 or less, mm -hmm. not triggering the bring forward, and then you can you can look to trigger it next year. The benefit of that um, is that you get that extra um, non-concessional cap um, of 330 rather than the 300. And, and so it will probably depend on a few things as well. Uh, age, most likely. So for someone who's well under um, 
65, um, there's a clear benefit generally in delaying because we don't have to worry about can we trigger the bring forward rule next year if we do delay. Um, but for someone, for people who are reaching uh, higher ages than that, um, it really does depend on are you going to be in a position to trigger that bring forward rule um, when we come to the 2021-22 financial year. And the complicating factor here is that we have legislation before Parliament to change the maximum age that you can trigger the bring forward rule, but it's it remains before Parliament, even though it was proposed to apply back from 1 July last year. Um, so never, never in the bill. Exactly. So, so what it will mean is un under the current law, you would when looking to delay triggering the bring forward, you need to make sure that you're going to be 64 or less um, at the start of next financial year. Um, under the proposed rules, um, which uh, remain before Parliament, you need to be 66 or less at the start of um, next financial year. So really that, uh, whether you'll be able to delay uh, and therefore trigger it next year and get the benefit of that 330,000 potentially, depends on whether that law passes parliament or not. And probably the, the final point to, to note there is that if we do delay triggering the bring forward rule because we know we can trigger it next year, it's always important to keep in mind that for many clients that are looking to maximise their non-concessional contributions, the best time to trigger your the bring forward rule is in the final year that you are eligible to do so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's we 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 get asked a lot of kind of you know um, contra, non concessional contribution maximisation strategies, and that's always the rule that I keep in my head: um, trigger in the last year that you can. Um, and just to to finish off, uh, we've talked about all the contribution caps that are increasing. What contribution related caps aren't increasing? Yeah, so there are two key ones which are just a set number in the legislation so they don't get indexed um, you know, unless the government decides to, to proactively increase them. And so the caps that won't change on 1 July 2021 are firstly the $500,000 total super balance threshold um, that you have to be under in order to uh, make use of, uh, to carry forward concessional contributions from previous years to the current financial year. So that will remain at 500000 And also the total super balance threshold that you have to be under in order to um, qualify for the work test exemption, which basically allows you an extra financial year worth of um, contribution eligibility from the year that you ceased meeting the work test. So that will remain at $300,000. Yeah, quite low. All right, Tim, I think that covers it off. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again, consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies, accepts responsibility 
for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.